In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. My name is Father Matt. I'm one of the rectors here at the table. This is the fourth Sunday of Advent. Three of our four readings today include mention of an angel. Did you catch the song that Joel wrote? God's messenger, that's the word for angel. It's also an angel that slips in right at the end of our reading from Susanna, and also in Matthew chapter 1. The good news we proclaim today is that angels appear at thin places like the incarnation to herald good news and to hasten God's people towards the kingdom. Church, this Advent, let us hearken to this good news, interceding and advocating for justice as we prepare our lives and our bodies for Christmas. Uh, Richard Beck, who's a teacher at Abilene Christian University, has this to say about Advent angels. Angels, he says, are everywhere in the Nativity story. They appear to Zechariah, Joseph, Mary, the shepherds, and very likely the Magi. Because of these texts, angels fill our Advent and Christmas seasons. Angels on top of the Christmas tree, angel ornaments fill our houses. Lighted angel displays appear in our yards. Angels inhabit our nativity sets. We dress up our kids as angels for our nativity plays. And we sing song after song about angels. Advent and Christmas is stuffed with angels. And those of you who have precious moments collections. Spencer. And then, and then after Advent, poof, angels are gone. The season moves on and the angels fade into the background, awaiting their annual reemergence in secular and sacred consciousnesses the next holiday season. So we're familiar with Advent angels, uh, and I don't have time to go into an angelology, like huge, long discussion of, of everything we can know about angels. Um, Spencer will do that next week. <laughs> But did you catch, did you catch the angel in our, did you catch the angel in our reading today from Susanna? Listen again. As the elders and judges of the people, the whole assembly believed them. Now look here. There was an angel of God as she was being taken off Susanna to be executed. Now, if you're like me, and I know I am, I, I have never read the book of Susanna. Has anybody here read the book of Susanna? Yeah? Great. Yeah. Andrew's like, yes, this is my Sunday. It's an addition to the end of the book of Daniel. It was part of the Septuagint, or the Bible that Jesus read. And it's in Eastern Orthodox Roman Catholic scriptures, and it's part of the deuterocanonical books that we celebrate as Anglicans, as Episcopals. So here's the story. Here's the story. Susanna is a righteous woman married to an elder or judge in Babylon. This is in the captivity. And she's very attractive. Well, the elders and judges would come over to her house. She's married to a man named Joachim. And they would hear cases. They would deliberate and discern things. And then they would all leave. Well, after they would leave, 
um, uh, Susanna would go out into her garden, her her yard, her area, and she would um, hang out. Well, two of the elders or judges had like crushes on her. And they would they would pretend to leave and then go hide and like peep. They're peeping toms? I think that's probably what, yeah. They're peeping toms. Well, one day, they all pretended to leave. They doubled back, and these two guys bumped into each other. And they're like, what are you doing here? Well, what are you doing here? And, and, they, and they eventually admitted to each other that they were lusting after Susanna, so they started doing it together. Well, one day after the judges were meeting, Susanna decided to go out into her garden and take a bath. It's always a woman taking a bath in these stories. And so she takes a bath, and they can't handle it. Their lust just erupts, and they rush in, and they say, you, Susanna, will either have intercourse with us, or we will tell everyone that you are having an affair with a, we caught you having an affair with a young man. And so Susanna has this dilemma. She's like, do I let them have their way with me? Or do I let them slander me? And she decides that she, she decides she's going to take her chances with their story. And so she says, you can't have your way with me. And so these two elders, these two religious leaders call the assembly together, and they tell this story. This is where our text picks up a little bit today. They tell this story that they caught her in the garden with a young man, right? And she cries out to God, and they're leading her away to be executed. And we get this word. Now look here. Hark. (laughs) There was an angel of God as she was being taken off to be executed. Now this angel, it's in the Septuagint. This angel stirs Daniel. This angel stirs Daniel. And Daniel's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've got some questions. So he takes these two elders and he questions them separately. And he's like, hey, gross man number one. <laughs> uh, tell, me about, uh, tell me about where Susanna was when you found her with this other man. And he's like, oh, she was under... Uh, a mastic tree. And he takes the other person and says, uh, angel number, or gross guy number two, where did you see this woman? And he says, uh, it was under uh, a different tree, an, an evergreen oak tree. And so Daniel discerns that they are lying by interrogating them, and he saves Susanna from death. And then the, this, this, uh, the end of it is, Daniel grew in reputation and honor and respect among the people. Angels appear in thin places like the incarnation, like the execution of a righteous woman, to herald the good news and to hasten God's people towards the kingdom. Church, this Advent, may we hearken to this good news, interceding and advocating for justice as we prepare our lives and bodies for Christmas. Angel also appears in the gospel reading from Matthew. This one we're more familiar with, I think. We've heard this story a lot. 
Joseph finds Mary preggers before marriage. This is a no-go, even back in Jesus' day. He's going to put her away quietly, which means not make a big deal about it, not bring tons of shame on her. He's just going to move on. But an angel comes to him and says, uh, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The Holy Spirit did it. Follow with me the parallels in these two stories. Follow with me here. The angels in both these stories bring wisdom or insight to men who otherwise wouldn't have had it. Daniel has some skepticism that this is a Travis Sham mockery, and so he decides to do some interrogation. And Joseph gets wisdom about the source of Mary's pregnancy. The angels in both stories bring wisdom and insight to a man about a righteous woman. Susanna and Mary. Angels in both stories bring wisdom and insight to a man about a righteous woman having to do with her sexual history. Susanna having an alleged affair. And Mary, this is implied in the story, having an alleged affair. Angels in both stories bring wisdom and insight to a man about a righteous woman having to do with her sexual history so that justice can be done on her behalf. Daniel interrogates two elders and finds that they're lying. Joseph marries Mary because the angel tells him his assumption about her pregnancy is incorrect. The angels bring wisdom and insight to a man about a righteous woman having to do with her sexual history so that justice can be done on her behalf in a way that costs the man. Daniel was young and had to stand up to power, had to get his body in front of a mob and say, stop, let's do some diligence here. If he, was, if he had been wrong, it would have cost him dearly. Joseph was righteous or just, and instead of moving on or, or away from Mary to protect his honor, he moves towards Mary and decides to commit to her and so take on her shame as his own. Angels in both stories bring wisdom and insight to a man about a righteous woman having to do with her sexual history so that justice can be done on her behalf in a way that costs the man and redeems and rescues the woman. So Daniel saves Susanna from death. Joseph saves or redeems Mary from shame and humiliation and being unmarriable. Angels appear in thin places, like the Incarnation to herald the good news, and to hasten God's people to do the work of the kingdom. Church, this Advent, may we hearken to this good news, interceding and advocating for justice as we prepare our lives and bodies for Christmas. Angels are working for justice, but notice the angel inspires or empowers others to do the work. It's not the angel doing the work. The angel comes and says, hey, you got some work to do. I believe in you. Go for it. The work is done by those who receive the insight and act in wisdom and power. So how do we then 
respond to this? How do we then participate in this? Let me point out two things from this story in Susanna that I think help us, give us an imagination for what our intercession, our advocacy can look like. The first is the two elders accuse Susanna of what they themselves are guilty of. Ain't that always the case? This is called projection. At least in the psychological realm. Maybe you've heard the phrase, every accusation is a confession. That's what's going on here. Powerful men, when their power is threatened or thwarted, they don't get their way, someone else uh, has power over them, will often turn around and accuse those who are less powerful of exactly what they've been doing. Can you think of instances where this happens today? Serial liars, people who lie for a living, will accuse other people of trafficking in fake news. Those who are part of organizations and systems that refuse to protect children and women and sexual minorities from predators will accuse others of being groomers. Those who make record profits during a pandemic will blame inflation for rising prices. And on and on and on. This is how abusive authoritarian people gaslight those they're harming. But God sees and angels stir. Angels appear in thin places like the incarnation. Like when powerless people are being gaslit and accused of what people who are harming them are actually doing. Angels appear to herald the good news and to hasten God's people to move into God's kingdom. Church, today let us hearken to this good news. Interceding and advocating for justice as we prepare our lives and bodies for Christmas. Uh, Number two. So, you know, Basically, projection. <laughs> and number two, it's, it, it's always about sex. It's just always about sex. I feel like I've been talking about this a lot whenever I preach. But it's, it's all over the place. So much injustice and control and shame and accusation centers on our sexuality. I was listening to a podcast um, while I was in the gym a couple days ago. That's not supposed to be a humble brag, but I, I know it sounded like that. <laughs> Weird flex? No. Appropriate flex. Um, and I was listening to someone talk about how they were in Sweden in the 1990s. And a new... Uh, uh, a new Sylvester Stallone movie came out that his Swedish friend wanted to go see called uh, Judge Dredd. Y'all remember Judge Dredd? Um, and it was rated X. And he was like, 
I guess Sylvester Stallone's into porn now. What, I, I don't want to go see this. And the guy's like, no, 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 no. It's just a normal movie. So he goes, and it's just Judge Dredd. He's so confused. A couple weeks later, he invites him to go back to see a, a PG movie with his son, uh, his friend's son, 10-year-old. And he said he's watching this movie, and there is full frontal male nudity in this movie. And it's rated PG. And he, and he looks over at this 10-year-old, and the 10-year-old's just like, whatever, you know, whatever. Um, and his point was, in the United States, there's one major reason movies get rated X. It's for sex. But in Sweden, movies get rated X for violence. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. <laughs> Father Matt is not encouraging uh, you to watch Swedish PG, thir- PG movies with your kids. <laughs> I'm saying that what seems egregious and awful to us is culturally conditioned. And we tolerate all manner of malfeasance. And we are hyper-fetished and focused on sex. And when we do that, it's not cisgendered white men who pay for it. It's Susanna. It's Mary. It's always Susanna and Mary who pay for that. Sex and controlling people's bodies and accusing people of wrong is a weapon of injustice. And it's big business in Christian churches. This is a Christian church. That's why I'm talking about it. In case you're lost. These two places, how authoritarian, abusive people gaslight and accuse others of what they're doing, and how men tend to police women's bodies and use sex as a weapon to control them. These are the places that angels show up in Scripture. This is where God's messenger, we would maybe, maybe we, uh, in our tradition, we'd be more comfortable talking about the Holy Spirit is operating and at work in these places to intercede and advocate for those who are suffering injustice. Church, this is the good news today. Hark. Let us hearken to interceding and advocating for people who are being hurt, harmed, accused, who are crying out for justice. May we get in front of a mob, even if we're too young or don't have the credentials or maybe people won't listen. May we move towards someone who can ruin our reputation, really hurt our LinkedIn profile, but maybe move towards them in solidarity, sharing in their shame, believing that God's kingdom 
is in that thin place. Angels, even Christians, appear in thin places to herald the good news and hasten God's people towards the kingdom. Church, this Advent, may we hearken to this good news, interceding and advocating for justice as we prepare our lives and bodies for Christmas. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.